This is episode number 188 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. And today we are going to be talking all about preparing to return to jumping postpartum. We've done some episodes in the past about returning to running, which is also high impact, Um, but we thought we would do a specific episode about jumping. So this can apply to whether it's like jumping jacks, box jumps, skipping, any type of jumping movement is what we're going to dive into today. Before we get into what might be contributing and what might help, we want to clear up a myth because, and Jess, let me know if you hear this a lot as well is most people I hear from feel if they are leaking with jumping, that it must mean their pelvic floor is weak. Yes, this is what all the people tend to be told or think or that the Google is telling them that because they tried jumping on the trampoline and things didn't feel so good or they were leaking that for sure they need to do like 1000 Kegels. Yes, exactly. Or clench. That's what we're going to get into as well as things that you don't need to do anymore to try to stop leaking because they might not actually be helpful. So we want to clear that one up off the top because, yeah, it's not necessarily that your pelvic floor is weak and there's a number of factors contributing to why you might be leaking with jumping. So not just a strength issue. One of the things that might be contributing is coordination of your pelvic floor. So just before we land from a jump, the same as just before we cough or sneeze, our pelvic floor should come on. So should contract or activate just before we receive that impact or that stress on the area. And so if you're leaking, it could be that the timing of your pelvic floor coming on is a bit off. So then we're actually having leaking. So it's, I find often it's more of a coordination thing than necessarily a weakness. And then also to keep in mind too, when we say postpartum, postpartum can be any time after giving birth. So we want to be clear too that with the jumping, we're not necessarily saying to be doing this within those first six weeks. And even within those first few months, there's a lot of tissue healing that is happening. So earlier on, that might be contributing if you're trying to jump before your tissue, before your body is ready, that might be contributing because it hasn't gotten to that point of healing yet. And one of the other issues is the pressure system. So this is something Jess and I talk a lot about. Do you want to uh, jump into that, Jess, just kind of how that might contribute? Yeah, actually, before we get there, I was 
just thinking, it reminded me when you were saying the coordination of the pelvic floor muscles, because I went back to adult gymnastics when I was maybe 18 months postpartum the first time around. And it was the first time that I actually could sense that feeling of the coordination of my pelvic floor muscles with jumping being off. I didn't really get that, what my clients were saying, but until I tried to get back on the trampoline, literally, it was so strange. It felt like my pelvic floor muscles were literally like lagging behind when previously that was something I never had to think about again. I find that to be so interesting and I I never understood it until that moment. So what you're talking about with the pressure system is that if we think about our core as a canister, it can often be a visual in your brain that you can imagine this pressure system to be within. So if you think about your core or the trunk of your body, the top of it, the top of the can being your diaphragm or your breathing muscle that sits within the top of the rib cage. And then the bottom of that core canister being your pelvic floor. So the base of your pelvis. And then I always just talk about the front and the sides and the back of that can being your abdominal muscles and your spinal muscles or your back muscles. So put that visual in your brain, core canister, it's the trunk of your body, top to bottom, diaphragm to pelvic floor, front sides, back, abdominal muscles, back muscles. Do you want to then go into how we manage that pressure? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no, that's great. It's a great visual to have. And so The idea is, again, when we land, we want to be able to see, can we adjust the pressure that is basically going down onto the pelvic floor? And we're going to talk about that in kind of tip number three of what can help is we're going to talk thinking more so about the breath. So I just talked about the diaphragm, the top of that canister that can actually help the rest of the canister work more efficiently rather than clenching your pelvic floor or clenching your abdomen to try to help. And then the other aspect that might be contributing could be tension within the pelvic floor. Could be tension, but again, could be weakness too. And how I like to talk about is like, we need the pelvic floor to be flexible. So we need to be able to engage. We need it to be able to lengthen so that it can absorb how I was saying like that pressure or the forces onto it as needed, depending on the task we're doing. So if we're kind of more in that tense mode with our muscles, then as you can see, like if you think of a bicep curl and you're holding that curl up at the top, you're not going to get that give within the muscle that we actually need when we land from a jump. And then, yeah, when it comes to weakness, that may be a component of it as well, that working on strength may be helpful. But like I said, I find clinically, it's more so those other aspects that we talked about typically contribute more so to jumping. Because for example, with assessments right now, we're doing them all virtual. And I can even think of two clients this week and their main goals were getting back to jumping jacks because they were leaking. They want to get back to like high impact exercise videos they've been doing at home. 
And I didn't get to check their pelvic floor because it was a virtual assessment, but we made adjustments within what we'll talk about next, their posture, their breathing. And within the virtual assessment, we were able to get them to stop leaking with jumping. So to, again, it goes to show that it's not necessarily strength because it's not like they suddenly got a stronger pelvic floor within an hour virtually. There's so many other aspects to it that can really help someone get rid of their leaking with impact, which I think is pretty cool. Yes. I love this. And I just want to highlight what you said that it's not like their pelvic floor muscle strength or endurance like changed wildly because of some program you put them on. It was changes that were occurring right in that session from the coaching and cueing that you were doing. And that is the most fun thing to see. It really, it really is to see like those light bulb moments. It's super fun. Cause especially virtually the, the client will like, look at me through the screen and be like, <laughs> did that just happen? Like I did not leak. How is this actually possible? But then there is so much education within that session around the pelvic floor, the core canister, as you talked about, just the breathing, just so then it makes sense. And then we test and retest. And then these light bulb moments happen, which is pretty fun. We're going to go next into what can actually help. So there's a number of things. And again, as we mentioned, like if you can see a pelvic health physio, if that is accessible to you, that can be helpful because then you can get that individualized information, whether virtually or through an in-person assessment as well. And if you are seeing someone virtually, so how we're doing it in my practice is then the follow-up is in person. So then we do check the pelvic floor at that component. But as you can see, a lot can be helped if you can only see someone virtual. The first thing I want to mention that can help is actually undoing a habit. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Let go of clenching the pelvic floor and your abdomen when you're landing, which Jess and I totally understand this can feel quite different. You may have been told this is what you should do, or you maybe Dr. Google told you this, um, or intuitively it makes sense that you think, okay, if I'm leaking when I'm landing, I should just clench. But if you go back to that core canister image Jess was talking about and how I was talking about the pelvic floor needs to be flexible, if you're just clenching when you're landing, you're not able to absorb that impact as well. And so you may still leak. So letting the pelvic floor kind of do its thing, like let go of clenching the abs is actually a great first step in helping you resolve leaking with jumping. Yeah, this is such a good one. And it might feel kind of scary to allow or help your body along in this. And that was the thing that I noticed when I went back to adult gymnastics and we were doing these bounding jumps along this, it's called a tumble track, but it's basically this long trampoline. And when I was noticing that my coordination of my pelvic floor didn't feel on and I felt like I was going to leak with every jump, what my body wanted to do was then clench and tighten and hold. And like you're saying, it didn't make things any better whatsoever. The thing that I had to give my brain permission to do and talk myself through was actually letting go. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great example, Jess, because it's super common in gymnastics. And I think it's important to mention too, like it is actually very common gymnastics or any sport with impact for people who've never 
given birth and for teenagers and for children to experience this. So to know this isn't just postpartum, this can actually happen with impact at any point in life. So one of the other things that can help is positioning. If you're at home, you can test this out with whatever type of jumping you want to get back to. If you can look in a mirror, you know, seeing in a mirror can help. Typically when people jump, for example, like a jumping jack, I often will see people's chest raised. So their ribs raised up and you're almost kind of looking up at the horizon or higher. This positioning, I just find the breath and the pelvic floor, there may not be the most efficient connection. So what I find more helpful, and you've heard Jess and I talk about this with running as well, is getting those ribs over the pelvis, which may feel odd. It may feel exaggerated, but I find it works for so many people. So a way to do this for jumping, it's rather than thinking anatomically of like, get my ribs over my pelvis, which may last for one or two jumps. Instead, you're going to pick a mark. So I tell people to look about 20 feet down ahead of you. So if you're in a room, even if you can stand as far back as you can against one wall and look down to where the ceiling meets the wall on the opposite wall, just to give you a mark to look at. And that often will get you in that forward kind of leaning ribs over pelvis position and using that as you jump. And this can be anything, box jumps, jumping jacks, um, squat jumps. I find this positioning often quite helpful. What do you find, Jess? Yeah, such a good one. And similar to what you're saying, often I'll have a client just video, maybe a few reps or a set of the exercise that they might be having difficulty with. And yeah, it's like you're saying, it is usually a bit of a thrusty position through the rib cage. And I get that because that's my go-to as well. So yeah, getting shifted over top of the body a little bit more. I love that cue that you just said about gazing, taking the gaze forward. That's awesome. I think we've talked about it many times before here, but the ski jump position that Julie Weeb talks about where you really think about shifting the whole axis of your body slightly forward And that's just something to consider that it's not just this hinge or a shift forward of only the trunk or the upper body. Think about it really as the whole body, the whole axis shifting forward just slightly. And it's subtle. It's slight. Don't think that you're going to have to try to jump while you're leaning halfway over. It is subtle and slight, and it makes such a big difference just with that small amount. Exactly. Yeah, no, I love the ski, ski jump analogy. It can make a big difference. So that's why I was saying like, look in the mirror so that you notice that you're not how Jess was saying, you don't want to just hinge from the hips. It should be from your ankles. Like when you're standing stationary, that's what you're looking for versus hinging at the hips. So that's one thing that can help is positioning. Another one then goes back to the breath. So again, as Jess talked about that core canister, so your diaphragm at the top. And so what we're looking for, rather than when you land, thinking of clenching your pelvic floor, we're going to go to the top of the canister. And instead, when you land, we're going to think of an exhale. 
because the idea is when you exhale, we're looking for the pelvic floor to then automatically do a lift when you're breathing out. Because when we think when we breathe in, the pelvic floor relaxes. When we breathe out, it lifts. So if we can just add that conscious exhale when you land, I find that is quite helpful. Take your brain away from thinking of the bottom of your canister and instead use your exhale. Think of the top of your canister when you land. Same to how I cue. I'll just cue someone to start their exhale breath. Even if you think of a box jump, if you're jumping up onto something at the bottom, start your exhale breath, take your arm swing, and then continue the exhale breath all the way through that landing. And that's often really different than what people have done in the past. But yeah, I think it's so good what you said about instead of thinking about the pelvic floor or moving from the bottom, move from the top, move from the breath. And that is such a good cue for people like me who can get a bit spirally uh, within their brain when thinking about or experiencing pelvic floor symptoms. It might be super helpful for you to take your attention off the pelvic floor and just go to the breath. Those are two of the key strategies that Jess and I both use. So the positioning, the ribs over pelvis, the ski jump, um, and then the exhale to land. Now, when you do try that out, and if you find that strategy is working for you, because that's the kind of components that you're needing to know as well, let's say you're getting back to jumping jacks. Let's say you feel great for the first 10 and then maybe you start noticing some symptoms, whatever it is, pain, pelvic floor heaviness leaking at 10. Rather than thinking, okay, this is like a bad movement. I should not be doing this type of exercise. I can never do it again. Instead, just take it as information, observe when you're noticing it. And then at that point, notice, oh, okay, so did my position change? Because maybe by 10, my body is tired and I'm back to like my ribs being up. I've lost my ski jump. Maybe I'm holding my breath at that point. So instead of just like throwing it out the window, just check in with those two strategies and then continue and notice if your symptoms have gone away because you readjusted if they're still there, then again, you're just noticing that's your capacity right now is like 10 reps. And then I need to pause. And then maybe you could do another 10. Or maybe that is your capacity for right now within that session. So if it was jumping jacks, then you can move to like squats or side to side squats or another low impact movement. And then over time, your endurance, your capacity, your ability to increase the amount of jumping jacks will come over time. So just again, to know, because I think a lot of times that's what people get told is like, if you feel symptoms at any point, then you just need to stop. But Jess and I both feel it's like, no, we just need to look at the strategy, readjust, and then take that as information to then progress your capacity to increase over time. Yeah, this one's a game changer. Just really think about it in terms of the principle of progressive overload. And you are training to be able to do this skill, to be able to do this movement more so over time. So yeah, it's not bad whatsoever. It totally makes sense that we need to train it. And as Anita is saying, increase the capacity to do more. That's great. 
I know you mentioned trampoline, Jess, and I know there's a lot of people on here, especially where we live with it being summer. I have a lot of clients who are like, I have a trampoline in my yard and I feel like I can't use it. And I'm like, okay, let's change that. So to know with the trampoline, it could be helpful to first get used to like jumping. I'll have clients do whatever jumps they feel like they would do on the trampoline. We get it on solid ground first and have that feel better because when you add the trampoline you're adding a few other elements right like when you're landing you're not landing on a solid surface it's unpredictable it's not the most stable surface so there's so many other things your body is adjusting for when you add the trampoline element that's what i typically recommend let's get all your jumping on flat ground feeling solid and then your body's going to actually feel better than moving to the trampoline, which is less predictable. So to know if there's steps to get there, taking that into consideration, and you can definitely have the trampoline as a goal. It's totally possible to build your body back up to doing that and feeling better. Yeah, that's such a good point, especially with the trampoline when you might be also laughing while you're on it or yelling at a child while you're on it. It's such a different stimulus. So I love that. Get super confident on solid ground and then take it to the trampoline. What I also like with going to trampoline type movements is just start small with that jump and that impact. And you can really just feel like the give of the trampoline and then it bringing you back up the give of the trampoline and it bringing you back up. And, you know, we've talked about this before too, that it kind of mimics the action of what your pelvic floor muscles are going to be doing in some way. So you can, you can think of it that way too. And one last thing, and this can be applied regardless of where you're postpartum or if you're pregnant, keeping this in mind, you can do this in pregnancy as well, is working on mobility and strength training. So even without impact, right? So within those first six weeks postpartum, there is more people can do than they often think. And like mobility is great. So we've, we've done some episodes on that as well. So that's like moving through different movements so like cat cow thread the needle or some common ones so getting mobility in your body but also like your ankles your knees your hips if you're having soreness or feeling restricted in movements within those joints we need those joints in terms of when we're adding impact when we're adding jumping so that could always be good to work on first Or if you have a previous injury or a current injury, it's like addressing those. So then you feel like your body is working more efficiently and then add the impact to it. So I thought I would bring that up because that's something you can work on earlier postpartum before you're even thinking of adding impact, but yet it can actually prepare you for later on when you do want to add jumping or running in. So just wrapping it up here for this episode, just to review. So we cleared up the myth. So now, you know, a weak pelvic floor isn't necessarily the reason why you're leaking with jumping. We talked about what could be contributing. So whether it's coordination of your pelvic floor, it could be breathing, it could be tension in your pelvic floor, it could be the pressure system within your core canister. And then also different things that can help in particular your positioning 
um, as well as your breathing when you're landing and that you can let go of the habit of clenching your pelvic floor when you land to help with leaking because we know that may not actually help. So test these out for us and then let us know too. You can always connect with us on Instagram at Two Birth and Beyond Podcast and send us a DM and let us know how you're doing when you try these strategies. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Two Birth and Beyond Podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at twobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 